Welcome to PwC's Accounting Podcast Series. I'm Heather Horn. In today's episode, we're going to talk about the accounting for software costs. We've been talking a lot lately about digital transformation, and this often comes with an increased technology spend, including software and related services. And that, in turn, comes with questions about how to account for those costs. And sometimes that's the most challenging part, navigating which accounting guidance and model applies. So to help cover the topic and answer our questions, I'm joined by two partners from PwC's national office, Mike Coleman and Angela Ferguson. They have a lot of experience in this area, so I'm looking forward to an informative discussion. Mike and Angela, thank you so much for joining me today to talk about the accounting for software. Before we get into some of the detail, though, Angela, can you just start off by giving us some background? Sure, Heather, and thanks for having me back. As you're well aware, and I know you've talked to other podcast guests about this, but we continue to see that companies, uh, even when they're trying to cut costs in certain areas, that they do continue to spend on technology and maybe even are increasing their spend on technology. And we've certainly seen that in recent CFO surveys and talking to our digital transformation experts. So our discussion today is from the perspective of a company that is incurring costs on new technology and specifically software. So either developing something themselves or purchasing software from a third party or even some combination of the two. And what we found is that when you're thinking about accounting for those costs, sometimes the most challenging part is just figuring out which accounting model you're in. And we're going to focus on three primary accounting models. The first is accounting for externally marketed software. The second is accounting for internal use software. And the third is cloud computing arrangements. And you'll see that there's going to be some similarities in these models, but there's also some important differences. And of course, first, the obvious is which costs get capitalized versus expensed, which is the part that people mostly focus on. But the other really important difference is the presentation and the financial statements, because this can often impact key performance metrics like EBITDA or gross margin or operating cash flows. So it's important to really understand what the implications are going to be early on, like even before you start a project to avoid last minute surprises. Right. And Angela, I know we've talked about some of those differences in past podcasts. It'll be interesting to compare and contrast a little today. But maybe to start things off, let's start with the first model that you mentioned, which is externally marketed software. And Mike, can you walk us through the model? Sure. The best way to think about externally marketed software, it's software that's actually being designed or developed to be sold to customers. And that's whether it's sold on a standalone basis or sold as part of a product or a component of a product. So let me give you a couple of examples. Let's take a, a mobile game that's sold through an app store. So that would be an example of software that's sold directly by itself on a standalone basis. Uh, let me give you an example of software that's part of a process. So that would be like software that's developed by a semiconductor company to be put on a chip and then the chip is sold and it could be used for a variety of different applications. But that's considered external software because it's part of something that's being sold to the customer. We'll contrast that with software that's not external. 
typically internal, and Angel will get into that in a little bit. But a couple of examples of those, um, think of a banking software that allows you to manage your bank account. Or think of a telco that may develop software that sits on its telecommunications network, and that software is used to provide telephone services like call waiting or call forwarding. Um, in both of those cases, the software is customer-facing, but it's the service that's being delivered, and the software is powering the service. So the software is internal use to the vendor, and it's being the service is being delivered. So externally marketed, the key there is I'm transferring the software and I'm selling the software, whether it's by itself or part of a product. Another thing to keep in mind is if you do both, right? So if... I've got software that I both use internally and sell to customers. The external software model, that would apply. Now, the guidance for externally marketed software is ASC 98520. The best way to think about it is it's similar to an inventory model. Costs get capitalized from the time the vendor reaches technological feasibility until the time the software is available for general release. Those would be the software costs that are eligible for capitalization. Before tech feasibility, things are expensed as R&D. After general release, they're more like maintenance costs. The types of costs that are typically considered for capitalization would include designing, coding, and testing. But one thing to keep in mind there, it really depends when in the development cycle the company reaches technological feasibility. That can differ for different folks. Sometimes it happens later in the game, sometimes a little bit before general release. So that's just going to vary. Mike, two questions before we move on with the accounting. You mentioned that if you have software that is for internal use, but then you have a substantive plan of marketing, that then you would apply externally marketed guidance. So what if you don't know when you're going through it and developing the software, or maybe you started it for internal and then you realize that there's a potential external use? It's a good question because the cost side is going to happen before you sell it. You got to make it before you sell it. So the guidance is going to ask the company that it's incurring costs to develop, what are your plans? Are your plans to use it solely internally or are you going to have a substantive plan to market it or both? If you have the substantive plan, you go external. Now, if you didn't have a plan, you're going to follow the internal use guidance. And then if you decided to switch and start marketing it, the cost from that point forward would become external marketed software. As far as the cost side, at the time you decide to then market it and the plan, the costs go forward, follow the external. All right. So it sounds like definitely something, if you're in that fact pattern, definitely a place to ask more questions. But then one other thing is you mentioned this idea of technological feasibility. Is there an easy definition for that or at least some highlights you could give to our listeners and what we mean when we say that? No. <laughs> so, okay. <laughs> so, and, and the reason I say no is that has the definition has been the same, right? And it's basically I've exited my planning. I've got enough of a product to be able to say it will work. And there's two ways you go about it. You basically have enough detailed planning design to know that you're going to have something. If you don't have enough detailed planning design, you have to get to a working model. Okay. The thing that's difficult is the development practices change over time. 
So when this was first written, there was a linear development process and sort of easy to peg the time frame. Now with more iterative development processes and agile development processes, that tech feasibility point can happen in a lot of different times. More often than not now, it's later in the game. So there isn't as big a software asset these days. Okay, so it definitely sounds like an area of judgment and something else to ask more questions about if if you're in those circumstances. But assuming we get over that hurdle and we've started capitalizing costs, then what is our day two accounting model? Sure. So the day two accounting model first, um, now that you have a capitalized software asset is going to be an amortization model. For externally marketed software, the amortization model is one of those greater than approaches. <laughs> so let me explain that. So the, the, the model asks you to first do a calculation every year, and it'll say, take the current years or current periods revenue, compare that to the total revenue of the product come up with that ratio or percentage. Once you do that, you then compare it to what would the straight line answer be, okay? And then you take the greater, right? So it's the greater of what's the revenue life curve or straight line, right? That's what it's asking you to do. The rationale there is the guidance really wants you to be close to cost of sales in an inventory model, but it doesn't want you to ever have less than straight line, right? So that's really what it's trying to do. Uh, so that's the amortization side. As far as impairment goes, it's very similar to inventory. It's just the net realizable value model. Okay. And so then you've mentioned a couple of times that this is similar or akin to inventory. So then as the asset is amortized, are we presenting those costs as a cost of sale? Yes. Generally, it's cost of sale or cost of revenue. And then the other thing to note from a cash flow perspective, it's an operating cash flow. Okay. So that was externally marketed software. Angela, let's turn then to internal use software. What's our main model there? Sure. So if you are developing or purchasing software solely for internal use, so you have no plan to market the software externally, you're in what we call the internal use model. So a couple of examples, and Michael already touched on this a little bit, but one was pretty simple, like you're just purchasing a new ERP system. That would be internal use software. But another example is if you are developing a platform, for example, that you're going to use to provide a service to customers you know, via the cloud, um, that's also internal use, just like Mike explained, even because you're not licensing the software itself to your customers, you're using it to provide a service. So when you're under the internal use model, the guidance is in ASC 350-40. But the first thing that we're going to talk about is actually the question of whether you are purchasing software or just a service. So when you're thinking about my ERP system example, um, it's actually becoming more common today that instead of the traditional purchasing software that you put on your own servers, that you're accessing software that's being hosted by another party. So the question arises whether you are really purchasing software or just a service, which you often hear being called software as a service, or a SaaS arrangement. So there's a couple things to consider here, two requirements that you have to meet. You are purchasing software if one, 
you have the contractual right to take possession of the software at any time during the contract without significant penalty. I know that was a mouthful. And two, it's feasible to run the software on your own servers or contract with another party to, to run the software for you. So if you meet those two criteria, then you account for the arrangement as if you've bought the software. And, and there's probably also a hosting service that you need to account for. If you don't meet those two criteria, then you are only purchasing a service. Uh, and sometimes we just refer to this as a cloud computing arrangement. Okay, so we'll come back to that portion. But then for now, let's assume you conclude that you are purchasing software or you're developing software for internal use. Then what's how is the accounting different from the model that Mike covered for externally marketed software? Yeah, as Mike explained, the externally marketed software model is akin to inventory, right? You're building something or developing something that you're going to license to customers. The internal use software model you can think of as being similar to PP&E, like other long-lived assets that you use internally. So when you're thinking about the model, um, it lines up more with accounting for PP&E. So the key differences with the externally marketed model is first that Generally, capitalization is going to um, start sooner. So the trigger for starting to capitalize costs is once planning is complete. So you don't have to meet the threshold of technological feasibility that Mike talked about to start capitalizing costs. You start earlier in the process. Now, again, it's not always that straightforward you know, to determine exactly when you meet that threshold of having completed planning, especially the way that software is developed um, today is not always a discrete planning period. You know, that's the model is that once you've completed planning, then costs are capitalized. And from there, the types of costs that are capitalized are similar to what Mike explained, but it's going to depend on, you know, what project stage are you in when you incur those costs. Okay, and then Angela, under this model, how do you, what is the date to accounting? So again, amortization and impairment, we're going to follow effectively the long-lived asset or PP&E model. So amortization of an asset that you record is going to be on a straight line basis over the estimated useful life of the software. And then impairment you're going to follow a similar impairment model as you would for other fixed assets. So you're going to perform the analysis at the asset group level and based on when there's a triggering event. And then the other key consideration for internal use software is presentation. You know, on the balance sheet, you're going to present any capitalized costs as a basically a fixed asset or intangible asset, um, similar to other long-lived assets. In the income statement, when you are amortizing the asset, it's going to be recorded through depreciation or amortization expense. And the you know, presentation of this expense is going to depend on what are you using the software for. So if you think about a system being used to support your finance functions, that's probably going to be a G&A expense. If you have a, a software that's being used to provide service to a customer, then that's probably going to be a cost of revenue or cost of sales. 
So when you get to presentation of the amortization depreciation, you have to think about the nature of the software and what you're what you're using it for. And just to round that out in the statement of cash flows, uh, these would typically be an investing activity similar to other PP&E. All right. So definitely big differences from the model that Mike discussed. So then, Mike, actually turning back to you, I'd like to talk about cloud computing, which Angela mentioned. And this is something actually that Angela and I have talked about on past podcasts and webcasts. But can you summarize for us kind of the key differences with that model? In a, in a cloud computing arrangement, there is no software, right? So we take this scenario where you've gone through, can you take possession or not? And you can't. And so we're only in a cloud computing arrangement where it's only a service. So there's no software asset to record. So that's the first thing. And the payment for that basic SaaS or cloud service is an operating expense, an operating cash flow. And if you pay in an advance, you would treat it as a prepayment of service. Where the new guidance comes into play is on the implementation costs associated with the cloud arrangement. So there is new guidance. It's effective in 2020 for public companies. Um, it's an amendment of ASC 35040 where the internal use software guidance is provided. And it basically requires implementation costs of a cloud arrangement to be capitalized using the same model for internal use software. And so basically what that means is it aligns the accounting for the implementation cost, whether you buy internal use software or you enter into a cloud computing arrangement. And so there's alignment of that accounting relative to whether things are capitalized or expensed. There are key differences, though, key differences being presentation of that. For a cloud computing arrangement, whatever is capitalized is presented similar to a prepaid service. So the same spot in the balance sheet that you would if you paid for the service in advance. Also, the amortization, I'll use air quotes, it won't help the listening audience, but the amortization winds up being in the same line as the ongoing cloud computing cost, that service payment, and it's not considered traditional amortization and depreciation, um, and it gets operating cash flows. So the key takeaway there is the accounting will be similar to, for the implementation cost, will be similar to internal use software, but the presentation will be different and it'll have the same impact as any other service, particularly on EBITDA. It won't have any difference from an amortization and depreciation perspective. So then, Angela, now that we understand the different models, how about an arrangement that maybe has multiple components? So, for example, it has both software and a service. Yeah, it's a good question because it is really common, especially when you're purchasing a solution from a third party, that there will be multiple elements to that arrangement. It might include software along with some implementation services. It could also include an element of cloud services or hosting services all in one single arrangement. So that means it's going to include potentially a combination of costs that should be capitalized, costs that should be expensed, and costs that may be presented in different ways. So what you need to do in this situation is allocate costs between the different elements. And you're going to do that on based on relative standalone selling price of those elements. And that may sound familiar, Heather, because we've talked about relative standalone selling price from the revenue side. And it's a similar concept here when you have multiple elements 
how you're going to allocate to all those different elements. And then once you do that allocation, you would have to apply the appropriate guidance uh, based on the nature of those costs. And that's going to drive both whether or not it's capitalized as well as presentation and the financial statements. So certainly this is going to require judgment uh, because you're not always going to have perfect information about all of the services being done by the third party. So you may need to make estimates or ask for additional information in order to do that analysis. And of course, even if things are priced in within the contract, you can't necessarily assume that the stated price is the relative standalone selling price. So you may need to put a little more analysis or thought into that before you uh, use those numbers. Definitely more to think about. So then maybe just to wrap things up, any final reminders? And Mike, I'll start with you for that. Sure. So we've covered three types of uh, software accounting guidance, externally market, internal use, and cloud. There are a couple of other software-related type costs that companies will run into, and they have their own models. So we'll just give you awareness for what they are, not dive into them. Uh, website development costs. So when you're developing a website, there is particular guidance on that. Software, when it's used for R&D, um, doesn't necessarily follow the rules that we just outlined there. It's more of an R&D type model. And then the last one we wanted to, to mention is business process re-engineering. A lot of times when you're implementing a software solution or implementing a cloud solution, you also update the process, or re redefine the process. So there's specific guidance on the process changes that aren't software. The big thing to remember though, the software, what guidance you're in, a lot of times is influenced by how you're using the software and what you're going to do with it, not necessarily what the software does itself. All right. I'm going to come back to you for more information on where to find more information. But in the meantime, Angela, any final reminders from you? I would just you know, reemphasize that that there are reporting differences in, in these different models and how those costs are reported. So it's important to identify which model you're in to avoid accounting surprises. I mean, both Mike and I have been in consultations with companies where maybe the accounting was a little bit of an afterthought and all of a sudden people are surprised because they think they're making a capital expenditure, but it's really going to be an operating expense. Or people assumed that the amounts are going to go through amortization depreciation, but it turns out they won't or surprised about the cash flow implications. And again, this can impact key metrics like EBITDA or operating cash flows. So oftentimes, you know, other people in the organization are, are really sensitive to how these costs are going to be accounted for. So you definitely don't want to make the accounting an afterthought. It's something to think about before you even start a project so that everyone's on the same page about how those costs are going to be accounted for. That's, I think, always a good reminder. So with that, then where should our listeners go to find more information? Our guidance on software costs is in our PP&E guide, and that's in Chapter 7. And as we're recording this, we're actually in the process of uh, making some updates to that chapter. And we will certainly be sure to highlight when we when we release those updates. Okay, great. Thank you. And so then both, thank you so much for your insight. But before we wrap up today, I always like to end on a lighter note. And given that it's mid-October, I know in my household, even with the pandemic, 
Halloween is a very, very big deal. So Angela, I know you also have kids. Maybe I'll start with you to ask where Halloween kind of falls in your household. It's an interesting year for Halloween. We were just talking this weekend about uh, what what we're going to do. I mean, typically my kids being younger are would go out trick-or-treating, but I guess we haven't quite worked out what our plans are for this year. But my son, who's seven, did get his costume yesterday. He was very excited about it. It's a, a dragon costume. So he's been uh, wearing it around all day yesterday and this morning. Uh, so he's definitely in the spirit. All right. Very fun. And Mike, how about in your household? What are views on Halloween? Yeah. So my children are college age and beyond. Right. So we don't get into the trick or treating mode that way. But I tend to be one of those guys who hands out the candy. And for those who've seen me, I can look very frightening at times. So I embellish that on on Halloween and on that house that gives great candy. But you got to deal with the scary guy behind the behind the door. All right. Well, sounds like definitely the house people always want to visit. Good candy is always important. So definitely appreciate that. And again, appreciate all your insight. Yep. No problem. Thanks, Heather. Please join me back here this Thursday for the next episode in season two of our What's Next in Tech podcast series. This week, we're talking about agile project management and how it relates to the finance function. It's an area that's top of mind for a lot of CFOs and controllers, so I'm excited to have the conversation. So that you never miss an episode, subscribe to this series wherever you listen to your podcasts. And to stay up to date on the latest content, please subscribe to our newsletter at cfodirect.com or let's connect on LinkedIn. For PwC, I'm Heather Horn. Thanks for tuning in. This podcast is brought to you by PwC All Rights Reserved. PwC refers to the U.S. member firm or one of its subsidiaries or affiliates and may sometimes refer to the PwC network. Each member firm is a separate legal entity. Please see www.pwc.com structure for further details. This podcast is for general information purposes only and should not be used as a substitute for consultation with professional advisors.